We have been in a study of the Gospel of Mark all through the fall and then took a break from through the month of December and January. And now we are re-entering back into this study of this incredible Gospel. This is the first time I've had the opportunity to preach uh, here. I actually... Um, you know, I, while I was gone in Malaysia, one of the things that, you know, opportunities I, um, and our Corinne family is here today uh, with us. And, um, uh, sorry, I uh, shared sort of an impromptu worship service up in a, um, what's called a squatter's camp of Burmese uh, refugees who are living under the radar of the government, and um, so we were in a, a structure with sticks and tarps up in the midst of the forest, um, you know, just up a long climb from an incredibly lovely subdivision. Here were these folks living in a squatter's camp, and had the opportunity to share with them and pray with them, and you know, we have no idea. Ah, sorry. The goodness of the Lord to us here and uh, and the goodness of the Lord to his people all over the world, even in really hard situations. The Lord is good. But I haven't had the opportunity to preach here since I preached and shared the theme message for the year, a year of opportunity. And I hope that you've been praying into that and staying attentive and alert to the opportunities the Lord gives you um, because he gives us uh, lots of opportunities. Well, this morning, as we step back into the Gospel of Mark, we're in Mark chapter 4. And we paused at the end of chapter 3, and that was really actually a pretty good pause point because there's a fairly definite shift that happens between chapter 3 and chapter 4. At least sort of chapter 4 opens up a whole new, um, a whole new teaching and, and, and string of teaching that Jesus does uh, with the crowds. And I just want to remind you, first of all, just to kind of pull the lens back for a moment. When we are studying the gospel here, we're more than simply interacting with some uh, dusty historical text we are actually uh, encountering the very presence and power of the living God. Scripture is very clear. The Gospel is the power of God. And so when we come to this text, our hearts should tremble at His Word because we are coming into the very presence of the living God. As we come to Mark chapter 4, we find Jesus teaching, and it says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. Now, the reason Jesus has gone and begun teaching in the open air is for several different reasons. One is, Jesus is no longer very welcome in the synagogue, the sort of the, the expression of traditional uh, Jewish uh, religious authority. The, the, the religious leaders, the chief mucky mucks, 
are both offended and challenged by Jesus in such a way that they have made it very clear that he is no longer welcome in sort of the uh, confines of their carefully constructed uh, religious practice places, all right? So he's no longer very welcome in the synagogue. And not to mention the fact that even if he were to go into the synagogue, um, there really isn't very much room there for the crowds that have begun to follow after him. And so Jesus, um, taking advantage of the opportunity that's before him, goes down to the lake. And again, a lake is a good place to do some open-air preaching because if you know anything about water, it's a great conduit of sound. And so Jesus, preaching to the crowds, vast crowds by the lake, is able to be heard. So, it tells us that the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. So get the picture. There's a vast crowd before him and Jesus is sitting in his boat preparing to teach them. While all of the people were along the shore at the water's edge. Verse 2, he taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen up. Now it's interesting that Jesus begins even before he starts teaching and telling the parables that he's going to teach, he begins by simply saying, listen, pay attention, wake up. I think that's a good word for us this morning. There is a lot of noise in our world. We hear a lot of voices and we hear a lot of things. But the word of the Lord to us is this. I want you to listen to my voice. I want you to tune up your spiritual hearing because I have something important and significant that I want to share with you. Listen. Listen. Is what he's going to share with us even this morning has to do with the secret of the kingdom. Verse 3, listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky soil, rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. And it came up and grew and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, even a hundred times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, 
let him hear. Now, here he goes again. He begins with listen, and now he says, now if you've got ears, and God gave you ears for a purpose, if you've got ears, tune them up and listen in. Because I have something significant to share with you. Now when he was alone, verse 10, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And we're going to come back and unpack that because that's a, that's a hard phrase for us to get our minds around. But it'll make sense, I believe, by the end. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, Hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, even a 100 times what was sown. All right. This is perhaps one of the most famous parables that Jesus taught. Now, Again, what is a parable? A parable is a window into reality. It takes something, Jesus is the master teacher, he takes something that's very concrete and very understandable to his audience, part of their normal, natural, daily life, and from that, he uses it as a window into deeper kingdom reality. And so parables are packed powerfully with profound truths about the kingdom. Now, there's several things in this particular parable that I would like us to notice. The first is, notice who the sower is. The sower is God. The sower is God. He is the farmer who goes out to sow his seed. That sower is God himself. Perhaps the most famous scripture in all of the Bible is what? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through Him. God sows the seed of His life through Jesus, into the world. He is the farmer sowing his seed extravagantly. He gave his very best. But not only is God the sower, but so are we. We have been given from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ Jesus, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. 
That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is the call of God upon every single one of us who know Christ. We are also to be farmers sowing the seed into the world in which we live. Your workplace, your school, your neighborhood, your family, everywhere we go. Now what is that seed that we are called to sow? What is the seed? Well, the seed is the Word of God. It's, and the Word, it's, it's the very gospel of God himself in Romans chapter 1 Paul puts it this way he says Paul a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures regarding his son who as to his human nature was a descendant of David and through who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead Jesus Christ our Lord Through Him and for His name's sake we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Here is the seed that we're sowing. We're sowing the Gospel of Jesus and telling a world which is disconnected from the life of God that you belong to Jesus. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done. You belong to Jesus. Whether you know it yet or not, you belong to Jesus. And we sow that seed. It's the seed of the good news of the kingdom of God. I've said this so many times that you should all be able to say it with me. What is that good news of the kingdom? It's the good news of rest, that there is a freedom from restlessness. It's the good news of release, that there is freedom from bondages. It is the good news of restoration, that there can be freedom from your brokenness. This is the good news of the Gospel, the seed that we spread. So let me ask you a question. What seed are you spreading in your life? What are people getting from your life There's a bunch of people in here who've gone through pre-marriage counseling with me. And I always tell couples this, you know, we, we look at Galatians and it's where it says, you know, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You reap what you sow. We talk about that in the context of marriage. So let me just give a sort of a practical little illustration of this. So, so what are you sowing into your marriage? Sowing criticism, hoping to reap a harvest of goodwill and transformation in your spouse? How's that working for you? Working really good? How's she responding? How's he responding? You reap what you sow. What are you sowing into your marriage? What are you sowing into your kids? What are you sowing into your church? 
What are you sowing into your job? Are you a magnet or a repellent? <laughs> Come on. This is, this is real life. What is, what is your life sowing? Are you sowing rest and release and restoration? What are you reproducing? Ooh, okay. Well, <laughs> it's a bit sobering, isn't it? For all of us. Me too. What are you sowing? Now that seed falls on all kinds of different soils. And so sometimes sometimes this is called the parable of the sower. Sometimes it's called the parable of the seed. Sometimes it's called the parable of the soils. Because each of these are key ingredients of this particular picture, this window into kingdom reality. So the kingdom reality is, is that there's all kinds of soil which this seed falls on. The first is that hard soil, the, the path that has been sort of trampled down and it's the soil of rejection of those who simply resist the very thought of hearing or receiving any of this good news. Good news? What good news? There's no good news. There's no gospel of God. There's nothing. The rejection. Now sometimes, this may happen occasionally, when you are sowing seeds of life, somebody's not interested in receiving that. And you want to kind of crawl under the chair and say, oh man, they're rejecting me. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting life. There is the shallow or reactive kind of soil. This is the, this is the soil that when the seed goes in, there's this initial whoosh of, yes! Wow, I've been waiting for this. It's so great. I can't believe it. It's the best thing. I... <laughs> And then suddenly, a few weeks, days, weeks, months down the line, some hard things begin to happen and suddenly, in Palestine, there's this soil, it's about two or three inches of soil, topsoil, and there's limestone rock underneath it. And the seeds go in and the Warmth of the sun warms up that soil quickly. And as soon as the rain hits, it's just full of life. But then when the rain waits for a, and the sun keeps coming, it quickly wilts because the roots have no way of drawing on the water of life. You've all experienced, seen people who are that type of soil. Maybe you've been that type of soil. Your initial enthusiasm has diminished. I see that frequently as a pastor. I sometimes I tell people, we, we, we say, I, I've had experiences in the lobby where I have folks who have visited at Bethel for the first time and they are so excited to be here and it's just the most wonderful experience they've ever had and they're just glowing and, and I keep saying, stop now. 
please don't say anything more. I'll never see you again or you'll be really crabby in about a month from now. Shh. We got to put the roots down deep. Then there's the soil, the thorny soil, the soil of reversal. This is the, the seed that comes up and it begins to grow and it begins to produce life. But then the thorn which the enemy puts his seed right next to to choke out the life and the seed among the thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The worries of this life. We got a few of those these days around us. Maybe you're feeling it squeezing life out of you. Or maybe you've found yourself distracted by other things. The glitter and glamour and glitz of the world around you. It's like there's a division that happens in your heart. I like this illustration. It's like the heart of a girl to which a young man once proposed. He said, darling, I want you to know that I love you more than anything else in the world and I want you to marry me. Oh, I'm not rich. I don't have a yacht or a Rolls Royce like Johnny Brown, but I do love you with all of my heart. And she thought for a minute and replied, well, I love you with all my heart too, honey. But could you tell me just a little bit more about this Johnny Brown? <laughs> Lord, I love you with all my heart. Could you tell me just a little more? I'm going to follow you, Lord, but first let me, those famous four words, first let me. And then there's the good soil, the receptive soil, the soil that's prepared. The seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. This is the good soil. The soil that hears, retains, and perseveres. You can sit here in this church for week in and week out, year in and year out, and hear the Word and walk away no more transformed than if you'd never come. Being in church does not make you a disciple any more than being in a barn makes you a cow. Hear the Word and do it. Has God's word impressed on you that you must forgive? Then do it! Has God's word impressed on you that you must confess a wrongdoing? Do it! Has God's word impressed on you that you must apologize? So do it! By the way, I have some work to do following the service today with someone near and dear to my heart. 
Has God's word impressed on you that you must speak the truth regardless of the consequences? Then do it. Has God's word impressed on you that you must speak the truth, uh, that, that you must discontinue a certain practice? Then do it. Has God's word impressed on you that you must make a gift? Do it. Has God's word impressed on you that you must bear witness to an acquaintance? Do it today if you can. Has God's word impressed on you that you must leave all to serve Him? Do it. Or has God's word impressed on you today that you've been hard or shallow or thorny soil? Then repent and let His word do it work in you. Why? Why is this important, people? Because this is the secret of the kingdom. The secret of the kingdom is this. He desires each and every one of you to bear 30, 60, 100-fold harvest. His purpose in your life is to have an abundance of fruit. That's His life for you, for this church. Year of opportunity, opportunity. <laughs> I don't have any opportunities in my life. Oh, really? Hmm. it's time to let the plow of His grace come in. You see, this is an important part of the picture. When they're sowing the seed in Palestine, they sow the seed and then they plow up the ground. The plowing happens after the seed gets sown. So the Lord is sowing seed and then He's plowing the ground. So that your heart will produce an abundance. And when He says here in verse 10, the secret of the kingdom, verse 11, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. And then there's this pleading in his heart. They're ever seeing, but never perceiving. They're ever hearing, but they're never understanding. If they would, they might turn and be forgiven. He's not casting them into a place where they could never change. But he's simply viewing reality and saying, because of the hardness of their heart, the shallowness, the thorniness of their heart, Transformation is not coming. But for you, my disciples, my apostles, my people, for you, there's an abundant harvest. 
as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. The trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. This is the purpose of God. For his people, for this house, for your life. He's extravagant in his sowing because he's looking for an extravagant harvest of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit in your life. That is the marks of the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And he wants to give you that in abundance. Bounty. And pretty soon opportunities are going to show up everywhere. So, listen up. If you got ears, hear today. Whew. Um, if the worship team wants to come up, that'd be great. And um, I'm going to close the service in a moment, but we're, I'm going to close it and open it at the same time. Let me explain. This morning, earlier, before the first service this morning, as I was praying, and we were praying here for the service and for today, I, the Lord gave me a picture of a, um, of a heart with blockage. And the Lord coming and doing divine angioplasty. Ah, sorry. There's some of you here this morning and your heart is blocked. And you are in peril of a spiritual, if not physical, heart attack. But the Lord is present with His grace goodness today. To open that up and to remove that blockage. The choice is yours to respond. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've never stepped into relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to know that he loves you so much that he died for you that you could be free and have life. And he longs, he's just longing for a relationship with you. He just longs for that. 
to call you brother or sister. And this morning, if you have not received Christ, come this morning. I want to pray with you and there'll be some folks that will pray with you and share with you and walk you into that relationship with the living God today. And some of you the Lord's spoken to this morning. I cannot produce any conviction. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But as I have been faithful to proclaim His Word today, I would say to you this morning, there are some of you here. who've been resisting, rejecting, reacting, reversing. And the Lord wants to break the blockage today. Help you to receive fullness of life. So that you can sow life. So that you can reproduce life. So you can be a life-giving person. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to be. I want to be a life-giving person. That's what Jesus wants to for each of us. So I'm prepared to anoint with oil and pray for as long as needed, for as many as need to respond to that. just open our hands. Lord Jesus, we just open our hands to you right now as a small gesture of expressing our surrender to you today and our invitation for you to come in and do the work on our heart, our heart work that you need to do, God. Lord, we recognize your word tells us that our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. It's it's. We, we can't even, who can understand it? But Lord, it also says that you are greater than our hearts. Jesus, you know our heart. And God, would you come in? Break through the blockages, Jesus. That the blood of your life may flow through us. And out from us to a world that is just dying for you. Jesus, help us. Help us, Lord.